The girl has to go home. So that she can get married off at 14? No. I am not doing that. I am not sending her back so that she can get raped and maimed. In this insane fucking world that you helped build. She's a commander's daughter. She'll be protected. So she's not gonna get her click cut off? When she falls in love. Hello, this is Gina, and welcome to the latest episode of Resisting Gilead. This week on Resisting Gilead, we are discussing the season finale, season three, episode 13, titled May Day. And with me today, I have got W. Axel Foley, who is the fearless leader of the Daily DVR Podcasting Network. How are you doing today, Axel? I am doing fantastic, Gina. I want to congratulate you on this season of resisting Gilead. I've been listening along um, and you've done fantastic. All the great guests you've had. I'm really happy to be back with you. I'm happy to have you back as well. And thank you so much for the words of praise. Um, and you know, I feel like some people it's taking them a while to get through the show. I had a, a friend last night who over Facebook is like, I just started listening to your podcast and I love it. And I'm like, Oh, awesome. So you know, it's nice that these things are out there for when people are ready to watch the show, they've got a podcast to listen to as well. Yeah. Well, you know what the thing is, they last forever. And they, they do. Podcast is evergreen, just like it's on Hulu. And in three years, somebody's going to reach the season and they're going to be, oh, what's this? And they're going to listen to the pod. I just got, I just got a message from somebody yesterday on Twitter saying, Hey, are your old Lost Mythos podcast from 2009 available? And I was like, yep, you know, go over here. So that's you know. awesome. That is awesome. Well, cool. So, quite an episode, don't you think? I mean, I don't know. Even from the beginning, just I thought it was really interesting the way they started at the very beginning when she was being penned up. Um, and they were herding together, all the women. And I don't know if you noticed it, and I don't think I would have noticed it, but um, I recently looked up the actress that plays Brianna, one of, the, um, one of the handmaids, and in real life, she has huge hair. Like you would never know under that costume because we've never seen her without her cap. But in this whole cattle herding, we see June look back at one point and there's Brianna with huge hair. <laughs> and I was just like, it's so interesting how they were all being herded up together at the same time. And yeah, just um, so crazy. And it was crazy to see how they were, I think they were immediately slaughtering the women who were crippled or who had Down syndrome. I don't know that they were taking them to Connelly's. It looked like either... Um, I mean, it, it just was so reminiscent of Nazi Germany and Poland, you know, yes. just so reminiscent of that, of separating people. 
based upon their worth to the institution. And those who did not have any worth were looked like were going to be killed. And then it looked like it was weird because it was like they showed you different parts. And then one you could you'd hear kind of screams. They were just pushing them. And then another one, it looked like there were people that were also a bit maybe less disabled that were being showered down. And maybe I saw that wrong, but it looked like enough to show that it was an assembly line. Yeah. You know, assembly line of human. It was just, it was absolutely horrific. And I mean, Elizabeth Moss, always the face, the eyes. Yeah. Just doesn't stop. And it, I thought that this was in a fantastic way to start off the episode because it reminds us of what she had been communicating throughout the season, which is what was going to happen. It was because the society had now been kind of accepted, right? And um, it was what the world they now lived in. It eliminated this idea of what was of being able to see what was going to happen to the little girls, right? Yeah. It obscured the fact that they would then grow, that even if you were a rich parent, a powerful, you could end up a handmaiden, right? That was a handmaid. That, that's the point. That's what you are to this society. And by starting off by showing what it was like in the beginning when it was dirty and they were processing, right? It was kind of, it was really remarkable and it brought me right into the mood of, holy crap, this is like all the little girls that she's trying to save. That's what we're looking at. Yeah. And well, and you have to realize that a lot of these women that were being rounded up too were already mothers and they had their children ripped away from them. You know, that was the first thing she was asking, you know, that guard is they took my daughter, what, you know, where is she? And, and we see her in there with Janine as well, who we know had a son. And um, yeah, I mean, I think there was in that whole scene, at one point you're looking at a room full of women, there are like maybe four or five that were naked and it looked like they were being examined. And so it's what I was talking about. Yeah. 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 yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't think of it as much as being showered down as I think I was Uh, wrong. You're probably, you're right. They were like being looked at and like, yeah, it's like, Hmm, like how close are you to like, Oh, we don't have any records on you. We're going to check your fertility and, you know, try and figure out how old you are and where, (laughs) if you make the cut for handmade or Martha or colonies, like it's just really, it's very, um, this whole season has had very strange echoes of World War II from, I think, a lot of the, um, the, the set work we had, especially when um, we were in Washington, D.C., and you know, certain, um, certain kind of political events were happening, to even, like, I was feeling like Sound of Music flashbacks in one place, which you know, as light as that show is, it's, it's really, you know, kind of offset by them escaping, escaping the Nazis in the end. So, um, yeah, there's been a lot of very strange echoes of, of, uh, World War II this season. Uh, No, definitely. Yes. And definitely when we were, yeah, it's been a while since we chatted and episodes have gone by and 
what an amazing season, but you're absolutely right. And this is a culmination of, of that in many ways, and you get to see it. And I think that was really important because the word I was looking for was, and a word we talk about a lot today, is normalization, right? Like once the system is in place and you have everyone wearing their clothes and using the speech, it's normalized. And then the idea that when it started, they were rounding up the women like this and, and, and putting people in cages and raid out in public, like other people could see it, you know, and, and, uh, and ferreting them off. Um, and now that the children are just regular children and instead of being uh, treated like that, they'll just come up through the system. And that's what, that's what the Nazis wanted, right? Yeah. That was so, that's why all the pageantry and the clothes and the, the speech, why everything is codified because it normalizes it. And then you think, well, that's life. And I just thought that was so brilliant to start this episode like that, because you know what they've done? It's great. This show is so great with flashing back to little things. Like we had the uh, aunt Lydia flashback earlier in the season. Right. Uh, I think that was John, you and John talked about that, right? Uh, No, Tim. Tim. Yeah. Yeah. You and Tim talked about that. That was a great episode. Um, both the episode and you and Tim. And um, it's, it's like, what do they have left? You know, like, uh, like when it first started, I was like, wait, oh my God, now they're flashing back to like a couple hours after they captured her. Yeah. Because we had seen when she meets Aunt Lydia, but we hadn't seen like the initial ferreting out of where she's going to go and to break it down to such minute detail also shows the systemization of this horror and that is even more terrible well and i think if we're let's talk you know talk about the normalization of the language and the systemization it comes up throughout this whole episode you know we see it with i think serena at one point where she was talking to mark tuello was using still gilead phrasing and then even rita when she gets off the plane um, is still using Gilead terminology because it's become such second nature to them. And, you know, even June and um, I guess it was Beth and Sienna, when they're getting things ready in the kitchen and Commander Waterford's there, you know, June is still using the terminology, but she's using it with tone. You know, it's like, she's not saying what she really thinks, but she's like, yeah, bless the day, go to your office. You know, it it was just kind of, um, you know, it's interesting how it's not only normalized, now it's even like in some households, maybe kind of evolving with tone. Um, I like that. That's so smart. And that's like a sociologist could study that, right? Like, developing their own slang right and intonations and and she is we see how she is almost like a kind of a thought leader in this you know right like she kind of thought people follow that and you see like the other uh handmaids pick up on it or you know so that's really cool yeah yeah no they've done a they've done a really good job at at world building and how a world, I think also demonstrating how a world can change so very quickly. Um, 
you know, and that's even, you know, even Serena was saying, oh, I'm going to be able to go out without an escort and, um, you know, how they somehow forgive Serena for all the crimes she participated in because they were initially under the laws of Gilead. I mean, it's just, you know, it is, the, the whole thing is, is very interesting how they've, they've positioned it. But um, yeah, so after the catacall, there's the big dance of the soap exchanges, which at first I'm like, what is happening here? Um, which, you know, it was really well choreographed, I think, until, you know, Aunt Lydia starts sniffing something out because Janine just can't act normally. But I love that just very brief exchange between June and Aunt Lydia, which was like, she's like, you know that they look up to you. You wouldn't do anything that would put them in harm and harm's way. And, you know, it was just like, oh, Aunt Lydia. I've never done anything like that before. I know. Oh, Aunt Lydia, <laughs> you have no effing idea what's coming down. <laughs> right? like, I mean, there is... Um... The soap thing I thought was really cool. It's it, whenever they do that in a film or a television show and they show this kind of quiet unity, I always find that to be very powerful. It's like people singing together or something, you know, um, like people taking a small action. And, and it, this soap too made me think of Fight Club. And there's Ooh. aspects of that to it. And then when you go further into that, there's the aspects of nazi germany as well and like in the weird fight club there was kind of like a alt-right side to fight club of the of all that now i don't need to get into all of that but anyway there's a there's always everything in this show you can kind of go deeper into but yeah i thought that was cool in the aunt lydia part too that was interesting for me because when i rewatched, i was like this is the only time she kind of pops up um right in this episode yeah. Yep, definitely. And after what we've seen of her this season and the journey that she's gone through, what does it say that that's what she does? And to me, it I almost feel as though she knew what was going on. I'm not, it's not a total theory. I don't have any other stronger indications that she's completely complicit, but I almost feel, I feel like Gilead is crumbling. And I feel like part of what this episode showed us, this season we've gone really wider than we ever have before, but we've also gone uh, smaller and tighter than we've ever gone before. And I feel like the wider part in this episode was concentrated so much on what was going on with Serena and Fred, but we were getting glimpses of phone calls, right, with Lawrence of um of what was oh you're gonna bomb you're gonna do this right like yeah. all what was what was going on and you had mentioned uh in the last episode the the aspect of him becoming more powerful because his wife was gone yeah i mean that well because his wife was gone but also because fred and serena had been captured and i yes. think fred had a lot of exactly. power and then of course june totally took out high commander winslow right. and I, you know it hasn't been confirmed that he was the top dog but it kind of seems like he was because all of a sudden even though lawrence had you know a lot a big hand in the creation of this and a high command as well um he, he seems to have become so much more involved 
Yes. Uh, and it was his down. wife was pulling him out of that. It was as though they all had this reverence for him. But the, but, and even when they made he and June, I mean, that was a rape, uh, it was like a state sanctioned rape, even though he didn't want to do it too. Right. And she, yeah. in a sense, wanted to save his life so she could use him, which was the smart thing to do in that, in that sense. But that was, man, that was like the toughest thing of the season for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, she saved the whole household's lives, yeah. right? When it came down she, to it, it, it would have been all of them. Um, God, God, the Waterfords, my God, they're just like the worst people ever invented. But long, long story short is what I'm trying to say, Gina, is I think there's been a little bit of critical and I've heard, I've seen a couple articles written and I've seen some people talking. And I even felt as I was watching it, bringing up the kind of June plot armor that she kind of is getting thing uh, even with Aunt Lydia or whatever. And I wanted to posit that I think the show is smarter than that. And I think even though it is dramatic and she survives in certain ways that maybe she wouldn't, we're watching a television show. I think there, Gilead is crumbling and people like Aunt Lydia are allowing things to happen because they want it to crumble. They want to save it because they have this connection to their faith, but that also that connection is making them question the very basis of the dysfunction of this society. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that Lydia knew what was happening. I think she knew something was up. I, I don't think she that's knew. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's yeah. what, she wasn't complicit, but she knew something was up. She's just going to let it. Like when she said that to her, I almost felt like she was saying, I know you're up to something, but you know what? Maybe I'm going to let you do it. Yeah. I mean, I think even Aunt Lydia's had some interesting moves this season. You know, she um, she has gone out of her way to protect June time after time, even, you know, even after she said you should be on the wall for, you know, trying to take back your daughter. Um, she has worked to protect her in a way. She's worked to protect Janine even after she like beat the crap out of her. You know, she got her that eye patch, which, you know, I think it is definitely a little bit of breaking the law. And, um, you know, it's, it's um, you know, it was questioned. And I think she, that scene between Aunt Lydia and June when they were talking about the, um, silencing the handmaids, I think was pretty powerful too. So I think it definitely has her questioning and, and yeah, maybe she's, I don't know, maybe she's willing to make some, let some things slide. But at the same time, I think, I don't know, probably more to come next season. She's going to have more decisions to make as time goes on. Um, and we can talk about, you know, kind of predictions for next season at the end, but, but, yeah, it's definitely starting to crumble. I mean, there's a super strong network of resistance running through this. And, is- and June has energized everything, you know? Um, I think that's like, um, I've been watching with my wife another um, political tinge show. Not tinge, it's a lot about it. Years and Years. I started watching that and then I stopped because I'm like, I can't watch this The Handmaid's Tale at the same time <laughs> because in some ways I feel like years and years is even in a different way closer to like reality. 
um, which is frightening. <laughs> so let's talk about Serena and Fred a little bit and then just leave them behind because I think it's pretty, like, I want to get to the meat of it, but I don't want to miss anything either. But um, I don't know. I was just like, <sighs> Serena and these visitations with the baby and like her getting to like traipse about the city on her own. She really is very conniving. She's very strategic and conniving. It's like, I mean, she's always, there's never any doubt she was smart, but I think it's just like, I don't know. She's, it's, it's really kind of shown itself in an even more disgusting light that it's not even like she's part of Gilead, but she's still just maneuvering uh, the heck out of her situation. Yeah. And I feel like, but I feel like part of this is that the Canadian representative, what's his name again? Mark Tuello. Okay, Mark Tuello. He is like falling for her. I agree. I'm like, is he sweet on her? Like, I Yeah, he's got a little bit of a hero. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think he's got a little bit of a hero complex here. Um, in, in, and I, know, I remember there's been so few scenes where he's opened up, but I remember there was a scene where he opened up and I got the feeling that that's what he was getting, like this kind of hero complex that he was going to save her in some way or that he wanted to believe that. And I think really what it, the theme with him and her is the overall kind of question of her being complicit. And, and when does responsibility begin and being a victim of the institution end, right? Yeah. And, and with Serena, that's the ultimate question. And he embodies a person who comes from the perspective, unlike June and the other women we see in Gilead, he represents the perspective of someone who actually takes the more empathetic view first. Right, that even the wives are victims yes, of the society. Right. You know, they can't read, they can't write. She was this author and, you know, had a voice and, yeah. That's interesting to me because it's like he just sees it as, look, this is a society based completely on the subjugation of women. Like, that's the basis of it, right? So she is also, she is a victim of this, but he soon learns that she's not. I found that distinction that they make to be pretty interesting as well. Well, I did too. And it was like, it was kind of great when like, I mean, I mean, Fred is just Mr. Smug all the time. So bothered about being interviewed and complaining about the woman because she's so thorough. I'm just like, Oh dude, you really are a piece of work. But, um, I think what was so interesting is then Fred kind of goes in, oh yeah, I've been looking at your law library here. And you kind of know like, okay, Fred specifically went into that law library looking for a way he could nail Serena and he found it. And, you know, the fact that she was so desperate for a baby, she convinces... I mean, saying forced is one thing, you know, she convinces Nick to, you know, have sex with, with June in hopes that, um, you know, she'll get pregnant because she wants a baby so badly. And I mean, 
you know, in some ways too, like it's not like the handmaid can say no in any situation, right? Is rape. And that's, and I thought that was a powerful point when Serena was like, she didn't understand the difference, right? Like she was like, but I already admitted that we went in this ceremony, but within the confines of the ceremony, she is the wife and he is the and and Commander Waterford is in power, right? Yeah, so covers the plea, but her but her forcing two other her forcing the handmaid to have sex with someone else constitutes state sanctioned rape. Yeah, and she is the one who's in power at that point. And I thought that distinction was really interesting to me that they made that distinction, but that also it was Twello who says to her. That's rape. Yeah. And he was so disappointed. And that's when I was like, yeah, he's definitely sweet on her. No more pizza and and newspapers for you to enjoy. No no more newspapers, right? Like he really did have that. That was really interesting. And he's great. I love, again, I loved him on Parenthood. Yeah. Uh, But that was really interesting. But also, doesn't it kind of piss you off, Gina, that? freaking fred got his way again that like i mean i'm happy that serena is not being allowed to go prance around and that she's going to be made to um there's going to be justice hopefully for the crime she's committed but the fact that it was fred who gets a one-up on her is kind of still annoying well yes and no i mean first of all he could have let a couple other things go as well, which was Serena was reading and writing and signing Fred's name to a lot of uh, Gilead paperwork. That might come was, out. Yeah, that's that, really- that may come out. But then also, what about that rape where she is pregnant and there is no need for a ceremony? And that was 100% Serena's idea. Yeah. Um that was oh and how about how um she forced her to she did it again she forced her to have sex with lawrence well that was in a sense she went along well you're right that was not that came more from from what but i feel like behind the scenes she was pushing for that too there was a scene previously when they discuss it and if I remember correctly, she wasn't against it. Right. But it's still, it was more about making sure they were upholding the laws of Gilead. Mm-hmm. So That's it's a very, I know, it's a very gray line. But it's so sick, right? It's yeah. like we but, end up kind of defining it by that way too. You know, it's, yeah. it's a lot to think about. But I mean, being outraged that Fred got, like, got the one up on her. I mean, in some ways, I'm not because this couple deserves everything they have coming to him. And do you remember last season where June is hiding out in that house and the Waterfords come in and they just have like this vicious fight and he's like, good, I hope we hang on the wall together. Yeah. But, you know, and, and so I feel like he is totally, if I go down, you're going down with me. There's not going to be any way around this. Yeah. Um, which is just, you know, they're, they've always been at odds. I don't even understand how they became a couple in the first place, really, because it just seems like 
they've been at odds this whole time. Well, I guess at one time that was the fire, you know, they had this, this same passion too. Yeah. You know, I, I, if there's, and you know, speak of, I don't want to jump ahead too much prediction, but I would like to see more of their beginnings and the beginning of Gilead too. Like if we're headed towards an end, I hopefully I'd like to see more of how, cause we have that, those couple episodes that speak of how she did a lot of the initial writing and then became kind of the poster child for yeah. it. Yeah. She wrote that man, that kind of manifesto. Um, it's always been really interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, and it'd be interesting to really see kind of like, because I have this weird theory that Commander Lawrence was just kind of like, oh, you want an idea? Here's an idea. Because he tends to be so flip about things sometimes. Um, You know, I'd like to kind of see, yeah, it'd be interesting to see more of the beginning and how they put it together. And I'd I'd like, even like to see more of kind of Nick's role in the beginning. Like supposedly he led what they actually call the Crusades, which is a religious war. Um, We know how he got recruited, but I don't think we ever really saw how he, you know, we've never seen him in battle and we never saw him again (laughs) for the rest of the season, which is interesting. That's true. Let's talk about Jude and Joseph a little bit and, you know, his master plan, which was uh, um, super interesting. But I mean, these two are like screen gold together. They're both so good. And um, I read an article recently uh, that interviewed Bradley Whitford. It was after the horrible episode where they have to do the ceremony. And he talked about that and just how he thought it was like so disturbing. And yet some of the best writing he's ever seen because here she is walking him through what he has to do and like how he can get through it psychologically, um, which was horrible. But he just gave Elizabeth Moss some super props just saying, you know, I met her when she was like a teenager on the West wing and it was like this great kid. And now I feel like, you know, she's, she's teaching me about acting. Like their, their scenes are just like so intense and, and amazing. And um, I don't know. I mean, he's just been, I think a super brilliant addition to this cast and the way the two of them play off each other and interact um, has just been so awesome like every scene between them has just been so amazing or interesting or crunchy in just like the deepest way um in my opinion this year oh i told i totally agree and i think that if they were not such great actors a, a lot of it would not work you know it's a lot of trust on them or they would have to overwrite the scenes where they're explaining the the dynamic instead of letting it play out. And the way in which things turned after that ceremony and and his wife too. And you mentioned um, in the last episode that you thought that maybe he suspected her when he kind of looked at her at the end of the episode at the funeral. Well, I mean, I think it's very... I agree. I I, I Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's super difficult. Yeah, it is a tr- it is a trust thing, and 
you know, I mean, June actually kind of gave a tell, was, which was like, I could have gone and checked on her as well. Um, you know, maybe thinks, oh, maybe you did. Um, yeah, or maybe you should have because you'd grown close to Eleanor and, you know, I trusted you to look after her more. Um, you know, but I thought like the real thing that kind of just made my insides crunch was when she said something about, oh, you got them to keep the borders open. And um, he goes, oh yeah, no one's going to disagree with a man in mourning. And I'm like, I just thought that cannot have been her real motivation for letting this happen. Like, how can you think ahead to the fact that they're going to feel so sorry for him? They're not going to put up a fuss because his wife died. I, I, I don't know. I just never would have thought that way. I, I not in June's position either. Yeah. And this is a question you were asking. I, I, I think, okay, I don't know that in the moment, I think it's more like this. I should let her die because she's going to ruin the plan. But if I let her die, is that going to ruin the plan? Well, right? I mean, yeah, it could have, it could have went either way. And then she just kind of trusted, no, wait, he's still going to be in power. This is a male dominated society. The loss of his wife, who everyone knew was crazy, might actually benefit it. They need someone in power, right? She took or took out, the leader and then Waterford's. Out. So I kind of think that she did think that far ahead. I really do. And I think that the way that she played him and saw from the very beginning, how he was really subservient to his wife mm. and that she could play into that and twist him and twist his guilt was masterful and the way he as an actor played it too not giving it away too much staying angry and that last scene with the gun was whoa that was really they're both going to win an emmy for that because that scene alone was absolutely masterful um and it just spoke so much to how she didn't really she didn't need to have that gun the gun became not really even a part of the scene by the end. You could see that she just had the power over him. It's not your decision. Men. Fucking pathological. You are not in charge. I am. So, go to your office and find me a fucking map. Thank you. She's still in my house. My house. You really think this is still your house? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I don't, and I honestly don't think he was threatened by the gun. I mean, she had saved his life before. Yeah. Um, yeah I agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, he threatened to pull the plug and, 
you know, I think he, um, he's clearly been in control of his, the one in control of the relationship with his wife for so long, just because she has not been mentally well. Um, and during this episode, at one point, June says, maybe you've forgotten what a strong woman looks like because, yeah. you know, Eleanor was so fragile. Um, and there is a moment where he's watching these, you know, three women in his kitchen move about with such purpose and command that he almost seems bewildered, right? Like he didn't realize <laughs> these guys were so capable. And so I feel like this has kind of been, you know, that, that scene between them, it really is, I think, an important realization for him that look at what he did to create the society and look how it's turned out. And maybe he's not as smart and capable and brilliant as he thought, as everyone told him he was. And then look at these women that have been basically silenced and raped and tortured and, and everything else. Look at them activate and look at what June's pulling together. I mean, you know, he, she, he knows he can, she can kill a man for sure. Um, but I, it was a really kind of interesting battle of the wills. And I just like, there was like kind of a couple of different parts to that scene. And the first part is where she's just like kind of beaten down a little bit because she put the gun in the kid's face because she was just so like, this has to happen. But then at the end, it's like, she's like, you really still think this is your house? It was so brilliant. And, and it really, it never was, right? Like that's, isn't that kind of the secret to power dynamics where the person in power is really reliant on the submissive to have power, right? There's yeah. no relationship. One is dependent on the other. So it can be flipped. And she did it through will right and determination and that's what so much of this episode is about she is determined to the, for this to happen and she is not going to let what has happened so many times in this show before too right how many times have they had to play oh we can't do it or she can't she has to kind of in some way settle yeah He's made the decision on this day, no more. That's it. Well, and I mean, it's almost like in a very strange way. I do honestly think that he likes her. But I also think it's a couple of different things. She learned how to play a commander. That was the best thing about her being at the Waterfords. She learned how to play that guy. Yep. And she has done the same thing with Joseph in a way. I feel like she's done it much more honestly just because of the person he is and he's more intellectual in a way. But I also feel like he has forced her to challenge herself and what she's capable of because, you know, like at the beginning of the season, oh, you're useless, you know, it, it, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, fetch me that book in my library. Like, he definitely like poked at her. Um, you know, it's like make this decision if you think making decisions is so easy. You know, pick five. That's that's what you get. You know, of those Marthas, and 
it's almost like it's really weird, but he was so essential in grooming her to get to this point as well, whether he intended to or not. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can see, I can see that. And, and I think that though, I also think that when he was saying those things, it was apparent to her that he was speaking to himself, you know, he's such a self hating person and he knows what he created and that guilt that he has inside. And I think though you're right too that he want he he knew what he was getting, right? I mean, obviously, uh, when she came there, and he did want her. He wanted all this to happen. Yeah, you know? I think he did. Lydia, do it's a strange psychology, isn't it? People who are delusioned with, um, like you know, in cultish states like this that they often reach out for the opposite or act out in ways that are completely against what they speak of, you know? Um, And I think that in a sense, you're right, that he like helped her towards this and pushed her towards this and different ways that, you know, you know, kind of like um, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger type of thing. Yeah. Yeah felt he was doing that. Not that I agree with his actions, but that he kind of felt he was kind of building her up almost in a way that he couldn't his own wife, you know, like he couldn't save her. So he can can kind of save people and herself. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, their relationship's super interesting. Um, I hope that we get to see him again next season. Um, me too. I think yeah. we will. I think we definitely will. I, yeah, I, I think we will too. So, all right. Let's talk about May Day. So, I kind of love how it, it begins flawed because it's broad daylight. June's out. Now we know what the soap is for. She's greasing the gate with it, which I thought was really mm-hmm. weird. But um, I guess you've got to get. <laughs> it's a nice at <laughs> first she's like melt me down i'm like is she gonna make some kind of bomb it wasn't that that interesting um but uh she's greasing down the gate and she sees this little girl in the woods whose name is kiki and she's with her martha and um you know we see her dressing a pretty nasty blister on that kid's foot and it's because she's walked from Lexington to Boston, which is approximately 13 miles. Ooh, wow. um, it, it's about the distance of a, of a half marathon, 13.4, a uh, little more. Um, and um, I don't know that first little, you know, she and June have this really nice exchange about what it's going to be like, you know, when, when she's out of Gilead and, and, um, she does this little prayer, which was the first thing that put me, put me in tears in this episode. And I think like, I probably have only cried like two or three times during this whole series up to this point. Um, and most, I guess it was just last season, really, there are a couple of times, but, um, I don't know. I, I was really, um, erect during this episode for most of it. I marked every single time the second time I watched it. Cause I cried again. It didn't matter. Um, <laughs> but, um, um, 
you know, the, unfortunately the kids, Martha freaks out and she goes after her with the gun and turns around and, you know, pour the guns in the poor kid's face. And, um, I don't know, it's a pretty rough beginning to this. And of course, you know, that's why Lawrence wants to call the whole thing off. And, um, June talks him down, but it, you know, they decide that, um, you know, Sienna, who is the handmaid that, um, you know, basically fought her way into this, this episode, which was interesting. She's like, it barely said, you know, 10 words the whole season, but, you know, she's just like, I can help, you know, I'm smart. I, you know, I was going to be a radiologist. Like um, that idea of the inspiring, right? Like you need setting the candle or the soap, right? Like it catches fire. Yeah. And attitude. You just need to have the, per. you know, it's like, I am Spartacus. You need to have the attitude and she, the kid, right? And then other people start picking up. Um, even the woman who she initially, uh, uh, the Martha who initially wants to run away and take the kid back, she isn't that the same one who ends up killing or she drugged them again and stole the baby and came back with the baby? Um, no. Was that the same one or was it a different one? No, that was a different one because... Oh, okay. um, That's confused me because I was thinking like, wow, she's inspiring everyone. Like that woman really like, <laughs> she bounced back from it. She was, you know, because she went running off like she was going to tell her something. But then I thought that that was her that came back later. I guess not. Yeah, no, unfortunately. And that's what that's what we find out. Um, so Sienna comes up with that idea that they can walk to the airport along this trail that's, that's along the river. Um, cause it's only a few miles, but, um, you know, when they get back to the house and commander Lawrence is reading to all the kids, I was just like, Oh my gosh. And what's so sad about that is like, have any of these kids ever been read aloud to, really? Because it has to be a man that can read to them. It can't be their, quote unquote, moms, whoever they were assigned to. It can't be their Marthas. And you think you wouldn't want to read to them because that encourages them to read. Yeah, right? and you, to think. <laughs> exactly. So you think it would be more of bedtime is your prayers. Yeah. Of the day and you go to sleep. Reading is not a part of this society. You yeah. Know, to encourage that. So that was so powerful. And also powerful in the sense of the character, too, how he and his wife didn't have children. And then he's kind of like, you know, sitting here reading to all these children. But then also he's responsible for their bondage. You know, yeah. it was thick in a way. It's man. This this show never just presents a scene with one reading possible. There's always multiple readings in depth, and even the way this was shot. I mean, like wasn't it, it was like kind of candlelight, and it was just. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. And the way Elizabeth Moss reacts to it, she's so scared at first, and so was I. I was like, "Where is everybody?" Yeah. You know. Um, I initially thought that he had shepherded everyone away and it had the whole thing had happened without a scene. I thought they were going to play us like that. Like 
he was she was going to just be there and then and then night was going to become day and then he was going to walk back in the room and just be like it's done they're safe Mm. but obviously that's not what happened yeah 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 i i love that scene and he seemed to be a natural reading with those kids it was so sweet and you know, I think they walk in and Rita's like, this is more than 52 kids. And <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe next season we'll get the, the count on exactly how many there were. But I'm like, I don't know, 75, 100. Um, I think that there were. I think it was at least double. Yeah. Um, but it was um, at that point when he was reading, Janine shows up and she's the one that gives the news that the Martha that came with Kiki had been caught two miles from their house and that they were starting the door to door searches. Okay. That's yeah. see. It was confusing to me. I have to admit, Gina, I, I, I was not sure first when, when Lawrence said that, you know, he, we have to shut it down. I wasn't sure whether he was lying about them going house to house. It seemed it, I was, this I was like having heart palpitations this entire episode because I felt like the heist feeling. You know what I mean? Like yeah. going down, it's going down. And having been so disappointed by this show <laughs> so many times before, you know, and not and and not that I don't love the show, but its purpose is to disappoint. And I was just preparing for it. And I was like, even in my mind, I was like, am I really going to let them do this to me again? Am I really going to believe this is going to go right? Yeah. No, I'm not. Well, I mean, I lost some of the details. So thank you for clearing that up. Well, and it's hard because I mean, all of them are dressed alike, right? You can't really tell too many apart unless you've known them as a, as a character more meaningfully than, you know, one scene. But I think when Lawrence wanted to shut it down, he's just like, oh, uh, you know, a Martha and a, and a girl were spotted near Lexington. Like it wasn't even, you know, door to door at that point. That, yeah, that's what yeah. I didn't. Okay. So, right. So there was some sort, there was a little bit of weirdness going on there. And I, I almost feel like, um, I don't know, like if I was making this, I would almost feel like that's good. That benefits us because what you want is the thing that just keeps on shining through is June just saying, no, we're doing this. Like yeah. her fire, everything is confused. They found this. They're going door to door. She took out one and got a baby. She ran away. What's happened, right? Like, oh, where did they go? He's reading to them. Like, everything seemed to reach this crescendo before she finally says, we got to go. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of the thing that that put it over the edge. And yeah. then it's like became streamlined. Then it became like a Breaking Bad type right? Like follow the pieces that we got to go through the woods. We got to follow the thing. So then it became a little clearer to me, but the, it was all such a frenzy that um, I wasn't sure whether who, because it was also like levels of, you know, it's like that in your normal life, right? Like if there's like a snowstorm or something, you're like, should I drive in it? <laughs> Is this safe? Right? So it's like, who makes the final call? And it was important for the show to show us that June is in charge here. Yeah. No, yeah, she she gets everyone out. Um, 
you know, they, they start on their way and seeing the, like just this whole group on the move. This was like the second, the second time it really, the show really got me because it just reminded me of that. And this might've even been the first season where June and her mom had that scene and her mom's like, this is what you want to do with your life. Like be a book editor and get married. She goes, you used to want to be on the Supreme court. Like, you know, and her mom had been such a strong personality and an activist, um, I think was super disappointed in June. Like that seemed really clear. Um, and I just thought, man, her mom would be so freaking proud of her right now. Like, look at what her daughter is doing, like more than anyone has done up to this point. It's just, I, I got really, um, really emotional just thinking about that. That's a great point. And guess what, Gina? You finally made me remember what I was thinking about with years and years. Woohoo! Interjection. Okay. What was it? You And it's totally on point of what you're saying. I'm not going to distract from what you said, which is how special June is. When I was watching years and years, I said to my wife, uh, you know, there's a, as we're watching it and everything happens to this family, there's a reason why we're following this family right? Mm -hmm. And I feel that way with Handmaid's Tale because we had been talking, when I forgot what the hell I was talking about, we had been talking a little bit about plot armor and people complaining, June gets through it all. Well, there's a reason why we're following her, right? Because she is our hero. Yeah. And her mom was right. She is something special. And we're all inside of us have the capability to be something special. That's what the show wants to tell us. Right. But in particular, she is a momentous figure and uh, we see it in this episode. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we really do. And it just continues to intensify as they're, they're on the move. And, um, that little girl Kiki at one point as they're walking, you know, June's holding her hand and clearly she's gotten over having a gun on her face. Um, thank goodness. But she's just looking up at June most of the time with this look of awe on her face. And I'm like, this kid is going to get out and she's always going to remember June, no matter what happens. And this is shaping her life moving forward. Like that was just so clear to me. So it's even like June's going to inspire this whole group of kids um, not just the people that are still stuck in Gilead that want to get out, you know, and then, and, and that kid knows it too. She says something like, I'm sorry, this has been so hard. And the little girl's just like, sometimes you've got to do the things that you've got to do. And, you know, I think June had already made that decision that like, okay, this is going to be a suicide mission. I need to like put myself out there so these kids can get on that plane. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Arya. you? Sometimes you just got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You fly through the air and kill the Night King. Spoiler. <laughs> but that's what we're reminded. You know, these shows are, there's a message here, you know? Yeah. Of, of what is power and what is determination and self-determination. And that simple line, you keep it moving. You have to do the things you have to do. That's, you know, you, yeah. you, you, this is the situation we're in. And you wallow in it or you keep moving. And you have to kind of... Sometimes you do both, but in the end, if you want to survive, you got to keep moving. Yeah. And I mean, you know, she, she goes over there to start throwing the rock on her own and um, then all the rest of them join her, which cut, you know, kind of as a throwback to Aunt Lydia saying, you know, 
you're very popular and, and these girls look up to you. And it's like, it's, it's so much more than that. As you said, you know, she is inspiring, yeah. you know, she's a leader. And um, I, I loved kind of the, the fact that they're all throwing these big stones and rocks at this truck. And, you know, because, Hey, if, if anyone knows how to stone something, it's these poor handmaids that, you know, have had to kill people time and time again is this really strange execution squad. And, you know, it's a lot easier to kill for something you believe in when you've been forced to kill for something that you don't. Yeah, this scene was so powerful. And again, there's modern day political illusions within this of the throwing of the stones, right? Mm. Um, there's callbacks in the show, what they've been forced to do before that they didn't want to do. And in this case... Um, having, you know, doing it for to save these children and to protect themselves. And I was thinking at the time, you know, why doesn't June just take out the gun, circle around and shoot the gun, you know? But the truth is, is that this was actually a better plan because I think if she had started shooting, they would have all been dead. Yeah. And the stones bespeak a different sort of fear and it was surprising and shocking but also something that this guard probably recognized right as part of their traditions that they've developed Mm. the more i thought about it i was like no that wouldn't have been the fact that she saved the gun to the end was smart yeah it was the only choice she had because she wasn't didn't really know how to use it that well right? Right. A lot of training or whatever. It was scary. It's scary. I mean, if somebody put a gun in my hand, I'd be, I don't know how to use it. I'm not a trained with guns, you know? Um, and, and especially in this society. So I think that the, the stone thing was so powerful and, you know, I'm not like a military strategic person, but he was behind the car, you know? Yeah. He had the car, so the stones created a sort of uh, hitting the car and, and then bouncing off. It was a distraction as well. So actually, I thought it was this scene worked powerfully metaphor as well as like realistically, it was a smart thing to do. Yeah. And, and I think also with the stones, because it was so loud, it also like that's the noise you're concentrating on. You're not concentrating on nice. the fact that a hundred kids are like going, you know, by you as quietly as they Again, can. another great point. Yeah. Yeah. So um, powerful. And then um, they, a couple of them get taken down and that was just scary, but they kept on going, you know? And then yeah. he was like, the look on her face when she kind of realizes it's working, but she's scared, but then doesn't she kind of like smile a little bit there too? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's gotta be like adrenaline. You're super scared, but it's also, you know, uh, it's also a rush and thrilling that, that it is working and that these people have got your back quite literally helping you do this. And I think that's when she realizes, okay, it's, you know, I think she sees a couple of the Marthas. It was hard to tell if um, I feel like she was looking at Sienna, but I couldn't tell Sienna was dead or alive. I I think she was still alive, but um, then she kind of realizes, you know, I, I need to make sure these people get out. Okay. And that's when she goes over and gives Janine that, you know, kind of little kiss goodbye and says she's going to be okay. And um, 
walks into the light and that, that guy starts trailing her um, and shooting at her. And all I could think of, Axel, was Game of Thrones and Rickon <laughs> and the arrow. And I was like, zigzag, zigzag, come on. Well, it was great too because like he didn't want to shoot her. She's a handmaid, right? Like yeah. they're not, you can, they've always shown their, their, some, I mean, they have sometimes been too harsh, but then, but it's a, it's a weird thing, you know? So I don't think that he was particularly trying. He kept on trying to, I think it's just in the end, he, he was trying to shoot her. Yeah. You know? so I felt like that was realistic too. They just, this whole thing was just staged so well, shot so well. When she stepped into the light like that, it was so powerful. And, and it was just the cinematography on it was amazing the, the sense of space that they were able to show you where everything was, I could like draw it out on a map, you know, where they were with the car and then the kids were down there and they went around the fence, they found an opening in the fence. It really, the whole thing just worked Breaking Bad style perfectly to me. And I loved it because I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff, you know? It seemed natural to me. And at the end, I mean, the coming out with the gun, I, even though I knew she had it, I was still surprised. Yeah. Um, I was surprised the first time. And then when she gets him to call off the guards, yeah, I was not surprised the second time because no. she's like, thank you. And she seems so sweet. And then it's the look again, her like total like murderous bitch death face <laughs> look. And she... She gets them, and um, uh, I, I don't know. Did you get any lost flashbacks when she's uh, on her back watching that plane go over her? You're talking about tears. This, this, this. I had many tears. This. I'm an easy cry, but this, this really, especially. <laughs> I cry more in things that are like, especially like power and free, like seeing people release from bondage in this way, is like the most powerful thing to me. And that was so reminiscent of Lost. And they knew it too. Yeah. They knew it too. They moved the camera a little bit too. So it was a little floaty. They get, gave you a few seconds of it. I do think there was an homage in there. I mean, this is Lost. This is one of the greatest shows of all time. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. It, it, that worked perfectly. And when she, yeah, I wasn't surprised when she shot him. And I think that plays very well into the next season and what happened when they come when it's the handmaids that come and rescue her yeah i think the fact that he's dead and there's no witnesses is something that is a great uh, important plot point moving forward there's no evidence that any of them were involved in this yeah yeah you know, so that he was really the evidence and she had to kill him. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Amazing. Yeah. No. Yeah. The, the flyover, I think that was the third time I cried. Yeah. And the blood on the fit when she pulls the trigger and it kind of comes back on her. Yeah. He was so, man, they just, oh, man, this episode was amazing. Yeah. It was so, yeah, so good. And I feel like, okay, so um, I've, I've watched this next scene probably five times because it's just so awesome, which is 
that plane landed in Canada and our favorite people in Canada, Moira and Luke and uh, Emily, all kind of, you know, waiting there. Like, we don't know what we're going to get. We don't know what's in here. Um, and then when Moira goes up those stairs and that door opens and she sees all those kids, I like lost it again. I was just like, oh. It's beautiful. And she is such an amazing actress. And um, the scene that she had last episode was so powerful, right? With, mm-hmm. with uh, the baby and to have her here. And there was a little bit of, I have to admit, I had a little bit of loss of um, uh, kind of uh, the TV aspects or I'm losing my train of thought again, but it lost me a little bit that they were all there. You know, um, it it seemed a little bit convenient that they had all, they were all there waiting for it to happen. And it was all June that did it. But I think that it speaks again that's who they are, right? And that's who the character of June is and the people around her. They're at the center of the change that is happening here. And it makes sense that they were there. Yeah. Well, I do think that Moira, it kind of seems like she's been working with welcoming refugees yes, anyway. Yeah, like yeah, that's been, yes. been her job. And, and, um, you know, of course she gets her, uh, you know, she makes Luke go along and I'm sure Emily's in on it. And yeah, I'm sure it was like kind of convenient, but I think it was also, you know, super necessary. And I mean, I love the fact that the first person that this girl Kiki sees is Moira. And it was like, it's this handoff from best friend to best friend of this child. You know, I'm the one that they get you on this plane and like, there's no way June would know that Moira is going to be the first person to see this kid, but it's something just so beautiful and poetic that it was. It was amazing. And also, and um, just kind of the, you're, you're thinking to yourself, did June's daughter make it? Were you thinking that at this point? Like, you know, I, I mean, I think she, episode two, I, I had it in the back of my mind, like, Wait, is she there? But June is so focused; she's not letting herself, and then we're going to discover that she's there. But I like that she wasn't. I yeah. like that they didn't do that to us, and that you know, because you could have gotten a little coda too, where June has something like a note in her hand, and as they lift her up, it falls out, and or or it's a picture, or so you know what I mean, like that she was waiting, but she just needed to to focus on not herself. Yeah. I mean, I I never thought that was going to happen just because I think it's a big mystery where Hannah is now and no one seems to know um, at this point. And I think that's still going to be a big part of, of next season is, is finding her. Um, But I, I mean, it was super heartbreaking when, you know, Moira's asking, who we know as Kiki at this point, what her name is. And we hear this man say, Rebecca. And it was just like, I was not expecting that in any way. And it was just so gut-wrenching and such an amazing moment. And that's when you just really feel for Luke because I'm like, there's no way Hannah's going to be on this plane. 
Um, and he gets to see this reunion between father and daughter, who's basically the same age Hannah is. And um, I mean, it, it was just like a gut punch. And then God bless this woman, Rita. I love this actress too. I just think she's beautiful. Um, Such subtlety. Yeah. And, you know, she's, she's bowing down and touching the ground because she's free. I mean, um, you know, it's like, and we don't really know her backstory. Like the only thing we know is she had a son that died in the war. We don't even know what side he really fought on. And uh-huh. I, I saw you brought this up in the notes and I said to myself, you, you know, you were talking about Nick before and we're getting close to prediction part, but I will say that I think, I think that that's going to play a part in the coming season. And I think that the fact that she's there is going to become important. And I think that she will definitely be a character that we stay with and that we see grow and I've always been interested in in seeing her outside of Gilead. I mean, I yeah. want them all outside, but in particular, she has such complexity to her. She's acted in so many different ways and now become an ally. And at certain points, we didn't know, you know, really how far it went. Um, so, yeah, you're right. This was great. And, yeah, the part with Luke um, when she says that June did this, that I, of course, I had more. I was probably crying through this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. That was so powerful. And it's just, but it's, you got to feel for Luke. Like, I just, you know, I put myself in his position and think, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm married. I got a young son. But I think to myself, if I was in this situation, then he's there. It's like, he just keeps on, he keeps on having to hear these amazing things, right? Like she did this, she's great. And then she did this too, but it's like, it doesn't add up to having her there with him. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, and I feel like this is almost like a political, like this is a huge political question mark of our time, right? We've got one party that's very focused on doing whatever they can for themselves. And then we've got this other party that's focused on doing whatever they can for everyone, you know, what's in the best interest of everyone. And I think it's not that Luke is totally self-centered, but, you know, of course he wants his wife back and his daughter back. She did try to explain to him in that tape that, um, you know, that she wasn't going to leave without Hannah. Um, and so I think he realizes that, you know, he probably doesn't understand. And, you know, maybe someone, I'm sure Rita can fill him in on why Hannah wasn't on that plane. You know, if June hadn't pulled all her crazy stunts when she was being very self-centered before she came up with this plan, you know, they probably could have got Hannah out in that group, right? It wouldn't have been that hard yep. um, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, um, Cause they just have to, it's, you know, just have to, she just has to do right and and kind of deal with the consequences and uh yeah it's so tough this, this yeah well, tough. And, yeah and and i think something else and this is something that fred said to luke in the last episode is like gilead has changed your wife you know and then he's like i changed her and yeah. well i mean that's partially true but i mean he's he's seen all you know he's seen June sacrifice herself to get that baby out so she can get Hannah back. 
he's seeing her get this, you know, these hundreds, hundred kids out. And I'm sure for him, she's not, I mean, she's not the person she was. I don't think he ever would have expected something like this from her, just like her mother kind of questioned, like, this is what you're going to do with your life. And I think he saw her in a very, you know, kind of vanilla way. She's just this, you know, kind of cute girl and they get along and, you know, she's just living a very normal life. And now she's doing things that are so completely unexpected and, and probably out of character for her. Like, not that she wasn't a good person before, but for her to kind of mastermind all this and make it go off successfully, you know, I don't think he ever would have thought of her in that's, such a way before. You know what, Gene? That, that's a fantastic point because they have, they have gone to lengths to show that June and even he too were in a sense oblivious to what was going on in the political realm, right? They were, they were very, they were involved and because of her mother, though she had a, almost a little bit of an aversion to paying too much attention to yeah. it, right? And to taking part in that and to having an ownership in it. So it is, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And I just think that Luke still loves her so much and must, and he's proud and he doesn't show a lot. He doesn't show anger. He shows, he's very sad, but he's proud that all the, the, the little girls have been saved but it just continues on and uh, and June continues on. We see that she's still alive. Yeah. She gets she's carried off and you put in though too, she, the bullet must have passed through her. I was thinking that too, like she was there a while, so it can't be too bad. Yeah. And, and because, she, and she's grabbing her front, but it clearly went in through her back. So that's why I thought, oh, it just must've went through rather cleanly. It didn't have anything major because she hasn't bled out. Um, you know, she had to have been there for probably a good five or six hours, depending on the time of year, um, you know, and kind of light changes and, you know, all, all her peeps come to get her. It's the happiest I've ever seen Alma look. She's always so, you know, kind of bitter and snarky, but I think that's the first time we've really seen her smile. Um, but um, yeah, she's, she's still alive and closes her eyes and I think it's safe to say that she definitely is still alive and, and yeah. isn't going to die, but that does kind of leave us to, you know, like what do we think is going to happen next season? Um, I mean, again, I, I think that we're seeing the, the, the decimation of Gilead and it's falling apart from the inside and we're, we see it in Lydia and then what June has done by not only you know, uh, the amazing scene when she, uh, I forget Christopher Maloney's name in this again. Oh, uh, Commander Winslow. Okay, take it out. Winslow, which is a power structure, and Waterford's gone. And then you see that Lawrence is talking on the phone. What, are they going to bomb somebody? So I think they've done a kind of smart thing here where at times we've seen again like so much more this season like when they were allowing serena to be a part of the council for a little bit you know i mean the first part didn't work out so well right but they were showing us the power structure and they even had fred talking about it to the women that were interviewing him in mm -hmm. canada 
Um, so I think there's a war coming and I think that's what next season, I think there's going to be a war and I think maybe we'll see Nick again. And I think maybe we'll learn about maybe even Rita's kid. We'll get war flashbacks and maybe we'll learn about the, the war that started Gilead, mm-hmm. which we haven't really ever seen. Right. Yeah. It can be juxtaposition with the end. I yeah. think it's an opportunity. So I think they don't know that June was a part of this. If they can get her back there, I think that they can help her out. And I think that by by the middle of episode one or two, we're going to be dealing with the fallout in a major way for this on an international scale. Because remember, the one baby caused so much of an international incident. And they went on TV, which, which obviously backfired. Um, and now. They've taken all the, they've kidnapped a hundred children. Yeah. Well, and there was an instant uh, reuniting of a father and a child right there. And it's like, well, that is media gold. Like that is. Great point. Great point. And you have, and our, and our heroes that are in Canada now all have different experiences that bolster the horror of what Gilead is. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of look at it and I think, first of all, I do feel like they're going to get June back. And she's, after this, within the Resistance Network, has reached a, a status level of Schindler, of Moses, of Harriet Tubman. I mean, she has become... If she was not important and special before, she's become so much more important and special now. And I think that people will be hiding her. Um, I think they'll be hiding her and protecting her going from house to house, which is kind of why I I think we probably will see Lawrence again. I think um, he'll be involved. We might even see that doctor that was played by Gil Bellows again. Um, I loved him. Uh, I like, I was like, why is he so comforting and familiar? And then I'm like, oh my God, it's Billy from Allie McBeal. Um, he's still in Boston, even though he died of a brain tumor. Um, but, um, you know, I think that we're going to see her protected by a group. Um, they'll probably be more plotting and planning, but I also think that this group of people that really loves her, Luke, Rita, Moira, um, Emily that, you know, and all these kids now are also going to be starting to be much more actively like, we need to get, we need to get her out. Um, I don't, you know, I think, I think it's all going to be about getting, getting Hannah and, um, and June out next season and bringing down Gilead. I think there's going to be a few different threads going, um, and it's going to be super interesting. And I think, you know, you're right. We probably will see some people that, um, that change allegiances. Um, you know, it's really hard to tell where Nick is at uh, with things. He, he didn't give information. Um, or what he's forced to do or right because of yeah. his past or, you know, and then it comes into question, cool things, Gina, the politics of it. Like now that we've, this could be a precedent we're seeing with Serena where, okay, 
you know, it's not so simple as, oh, Nick wants to be good now. He committed atrocities during a war and perhaps other, uh, other people. And now we also know that it's not just Canada that's involved, but America. They're talking now about America. Did you notice that or did I uh, mishear that? Oh no! Yeah, they're they're yeah they're talking about yeah Canada and the Americans because yeah, so there's like a another another group here of people who may have been involved in that war that have a history with Nick and so it gets so layered and then you know it's just like it seemed before like Canada wasn't going to help or they wouldn't even accept the plane but right. they changed and we just have to kind of accept that. Yeah, so that's I well, love that about the show, though. Yeah, and we know the Swiss are involved too, right? This isn't just um, we some Mex. The Mexicans came in season what one back in season one. Yeah, and we know that even if the leader of Mexico is trying to solve her own um, fertility crisis down there, that her right hand man is working behind the scenes. Um, with the Americans and the Canadians, because he's the one that initially got that note from June to Luke and let June know that her husband was still alive. Mm, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we're really going to start seeing them try and bring them down and figure out how to do that. Um, this was my favorite. I'd look forward to your next episode. You're going to talk about the whole season, right? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, gonna try to to get that one done next week, but. Um, yeah, I mean, because this was my favorite season, definitely. Oh yeah, I mean, so much more hopeful and promising, and, um, and it just brought it just broadened it. That's what I that's what I like. I I want to know about the politics. I, I I'm interested in Canada and and how and if they're going to be. I love the thing when they went on TV, right? I thought there was just so many aspects that kind of broadened this world and, and showed more of it. And they just took more with the characters grew. And finally June, just that determination is showing. And I'm, I'm excited to see next season. Well, and I think what's also going to be really interesting about next season is that um, this September, Oh my God, that's like weeks away. I think it's coming out in about a month. Margaret Atwood's book, The Testaments, is coming out. And that's basically kind of like a sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, although supposedly not necessarily all the same characters, but that it's still somehow Gilead-related. So I'm wondering how much of this book that's coming out has already influenced what we've seen in the second and third seasons, because really the first season was the original book for all intents and purposes. But then I'm wondering how is, how is the book, The Testaments also going to potentially influence like what we see next season too. And you know, if it's Testaments, is it from a bunch of different people that were in Gilead? Um, oh, I see. She could tell, kind of have a different framework for the book, almost Game of Thrones style where it's different chapters from people's perspectives. It, yeah, I'm wondering if that's more, yeah, I'm wondering if that's what it'll be like because The Handmaid's Tale really is a full testament of this woman, June, and her time. And and I think John and I talked about this a little bit where he's listened to the audiobooks and a lot of what she's doing is on tapes the same way that June did yeah. in sending that note to Luke. So um, 
yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that even helps expand this world. And, and I know that Atwood's been involved in working on things um, with the show too. So I think it'll just be so very interesting. Either way, it's all good. There's book stuff, as we know from GOT, book stuff, good, TV show, different worlds, good to have both. And if they can in any way coordinate in some way to add to the experience, I think that would be fitting because this show really does fulfill the promise of the novel in so many ways. And she should be proud of that. You know, it's not, they didn't make this into like a CBS and NCIS, you know, (laughs) this is is one of the best shows on television. Yeah. Um, And I, I really thought they upped the game this season. Now I told you my wife dropped out. Yeah. Um, Which about which episode do you recall? Oh man. It was like five episodes before the end. I think Um, she just was, you know, just with, the current events as they are and it's just hard to get I think you know I told her I said a little bit you there's some things which I think would have upset her even more um, but I think I'm encouraging her to when she gets the opportunity when I take the kid out of the house to say sit down and watch watch the episodes because I think it's worth it because I'd like to watch next season with her which I think will be vastly different and will be a lot more propulsive, a lot more of the end of this rather than the just the drudgery that we experienced for so long, but which was necessary, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think the episodes that, um, that were the worst ones this season, I mean, it definitely kind of did like a tank and then it came back up, but um, that one when she was in the hospital, um, and then the one that followed when she was back home and they had to do the ceremony. Um, I mean, and even kind of the one before she was in the hospital, there was just like really like downward spiral. That was when she dropped. That was like the, I think that was the episode after she dropped off. Maybe, um, I, I have to remember, but I remember at first I was like, you made the right decision, honey. (laughs) yeah because you're just like uh they're just gonna make us hurt again and again and again and um yeah i mean i had a lot of doubts that june was going to be able to pull this off um she she did did. she did it amazing amazing well um any sister or mr resistors of the week i mean i think it's pretty obvious who they were on the show (laughs) it was that whole mess of people yeah. involved with the plan. I, I, in in um yeah in the show yeah people and I, I guess I guess you know what I I I I would have to this yeah the sisters are all yeah all the great uh, Marthas yeah I have to give it to them yeah no I think I do too for sure um. I'm not sure about in real life. I've been trying not to pay as much attention to the. I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) I was going to say I've been. My real life has been Mindhunter, Veronica Mars, Bachelor in Paradise, and this, and and my son and summer ending. So yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me on this. It's great. Um, I I think um, 
Yeah, this is going to be a, a long episode. I might even break it up into two because I had some people send me feedback, um, some audio and written. So I'm just going to kind of read and record that later and see how it all comes together. But um, we've been on the phone for a couple hours now. So no, this has been awesome. I really appreciate it. I mean, I'm so happy that you did the podcast and it's it, it's very much it's part of the reason why this has been my favorite season as well, Gina. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's something that I I think I I've been thinking about doing it for a long time and then last summer when those Brett Kavanaugh hearings were going on, I'm just like I have to do this. For food in a world where many walk in hunger. For faith in a world where many walk in fear. For my family in a world where many walk alone. We give thanks, O Lord. Amen. <laughs>